Here at Early Excellence, we specialise in early childhood education. We offer expert advice and guidance through training, consultancy and classroom design. With the Early Excellence podcast, we aim to inspire and support you as well as challenge your thinking. So if that's what you're looking for, you've come to the right place. Hello everybody, Andy Burt here. Welcome along to episode 91 of the Early Excellence podcast. In this week's episode, I'm joined by Hayley Kaup. Now Hayley is the EYFS and Phonics lead at Homegate Primary School in Derbyshire. And she joined me for our conversation. Really, it was recorded right at the end of the summer term. Um, And they'd had quite an eventful end to the summer term because Homegate Primary School and Nursery had had their Ofsted inspection. And so Hayley joined me to talk through the inspection process. We talked through how it went and uh, all sorts of information about it, which I think you'll find really interesting and useful. And we also talked about her career and her role at the school as well. So lots of interesting things to talk about uh, and to discuss. Lots there, I think, that you'll find useful and that you will get that will get you thinking as well. Okay, so here you go. Here's my Early Excellence podcast chat uh, with Hayley Kaup. Just to get us started, Hayley, would you be able to just give us a bit of an introduction to yourself? So tell us a bit about what you do, about your role, about how long you've been at, at Homegate, whether your roles have changed, all of those sorts of things. Would that be all right, Hayley? Of course. So I have the privilege of being the early years leader at Homegate and, and also I'm a member of the SLT and I'm also the phonics leader. Um, so I have had the privilege of working at Homegate now. This is my sixth year of service. Um, and I started out as what was um, an NQT um, back then. And then I've gone continued on to go on to being the EYFS lead and the phonics lead at our school. And I've also done some consultancy work on half of Derbyshire County Council. So yes, I've been very fortunate and very privileged in in my career and in my journey because this is early years is just something that I'm so passionate about. Um, So yes, this is our sixth year, my sixth year of service and I've had predominantly, I've been based in reception class. Um, However, I have done some teaching across nursery and year one. Fantastic, which is a good broad range of experience, isn't it? You know, that sort yes. of really understanding where those children in reception are going to next, of course, is interesting and important, but also knowing where those children have come from in terms of nursery practice as well is key. Um, that I think for everybody who works within the early years, I think it's so important to have that range of experience where possible so that, we, you know, we know actually what it's like when children first come into nursery at three or perhaps younger, that actually, you know, there is such a difference there in terms of need, isn't there? You know, it's a real eye-opener. And I think that experience is so crucial, isn't it? To understanding where those children are coming from, I think, is key. So, yeah, I think that that broad range of experiences is so important, isn't it? And and presumably, I would think, as, as an early years lead, I would think that would stand you in very good stead when it comes to the conversations and the types of conversations that you have as part of an inspection. 
you know, that discussion around baseline and around on entry information and all of those sorts of things that we'll come to later on. I would think that actually you're very well placed based on your experiences for that. Yes, and I think that is something that we certainly do not take for granted in our setting. We are fortunate enough to have a nursery um, in our school. So we do, you know, we do have the, the real luxury of developing those relationships with the, with our parents. So straight away from, from the outset, really, we know that who it's not no surprise when we come to reception, parents are very familiar. And yes, we do get to almost kind of, you know, be with our children through all the elements of that of that journey which we know it is just so powerful and and so important is as you say in knowing where the children arrive at and where they've got to get to and it's been remarkable in so many ways because as a team we've had the privilege of seeing those children start from nursery and then even as they go on to do really well in their phonics you know people will come back and they'll say oh Mrs Kelp they did so well on their phonics or oh, I'm the nursery teacher, Miss Hedwig, I'm just so grateful that, that you did what you, you did when we were in nursery. So, yes, we are very fortunate and it makes a, a really unique and special team and school. Yeah, absolutely. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, um, about the catchment area or about the local area that the school serves? Because I think that's quite an interesting starting point, if that's all right. Ab- absolutely. So, yes, the area in which our school is braced is um, classed as a low socioeconomic area. Um, The majority, above half of our pupils, um, are classed as pupil premium. So the children do come into our setting typically um, below average, particularly in the areas of um, language and, and communication and personal, social and emotional and development and because of the um the curriculum that we have developed we are proud to say that our children make great progress towards uh, meeting their early learning goals and go on to to do well throughout school and in key stage one and our school is from um, a predominantly white british area um, and is made up of of children who are predominantly from the catchment area. Yeah, no, that's really interesting, isn't it? And, and also I think um, when you talk about that catchment area, it makes it even more important, doesn't it, that actually you've got nursery on site, that actually you can really build those relationships with your families and with the children and that you can see that progress over time, which is key, of course, isn't it? Absolutely. It really is key. And because for some of our children, you know, we are that stability. And we will always say, as I'll hopefully come on to talk about later, our curriculum intent is to add value to children's life chances. And we we can really see the impact that we are having, particularly from, from the nursery, from getting it right from the beginning. And having, you know, the environment, as we will all know, the environment in the early years is your second teacher. It, the nature of our early years is that, yes, we want that high quality directed teaching time. And in addition to that, 
we need the children to be able to access the environment independently and for them to be able to do that the environment has got to be purposeful and I know we'll come on to talk about the inspection later but one of the key things that was in highlighted during our inspection was actually how purposeful our environment was so to illustrate this and one of the questions that I'd got asked as I, as we were being inspected was, well, what are your expectations of the block play? Now, luckily enough, I had undertaken the early years training on imaginative play by early excellence. And I knew that the majority of the children were working at the more advanced stage, which was to be building structures and enclosures. And after watching the training, we'd listened to how powerful it was to combine both the small world with the block play. And on there was on one of the training slides, and it gave you a progression of block play. So as the leader, I had um, copied and pasted that and printed that out, and that is highlighted and printed in our small world area. And I know we'll come on to the inspection later, but that is something that came out as very powerful in our inspection. The inspector did say to me, there is not one area of this classroom that has not got a purpose behind it. And that was one of the things that was so key, even behind the small world area, having those conversations and having those thoughts about, well, you know, what is it that we want children to do in these areas? And when they are not being taught directly and we have had we've seen a great progression in what children could do when we were in the classroom with the furniture that was probably not appropriate to what they can now do and I would say to any early years lead if you are able to go to your head and make your case about what you know what impact this will have on the on the children then please do, because even the, the difference in the drawings that we have been able to see. And of course, a lot of time has gone into this. A lot of training has gone into this. And a lot of coaching has gone into this. And I know my head teacher will, would back me through and through when I say having people in their strength zones is just so powerful. So, you know, you can really become world-class or outstanding at your strengths but you'll potentially only ever be mediocre at your weaknesses so I can think in the team that I serve one of my colleagues is a phenomenal at interacting with the children so actually she's done a lot of coaching with some of the teaching assistants and having you know having that time embedded and to see the the differences in in the interactions and those conversations about how the children are accessing the areas and what we want that to look like and how we can progress that as the staff. Yes. No, I think that's really interesting. I think working within a team, as we do within the early years, you know, we, we are surrounded by a team of people, aren't we, when we work as a, an early years lead. It's so important, I think, to, to focus in on what people's strengths are. 
to focus in on actually what does each individual bring to the team, whatever that might be. How do we make them feel valued, a valued member of the team? So like you say, you know, if they could be, have real skill in terms of engagement and interaction with children. But some people just seem to naturally have that ability to build those relationships, to relax in the presence of children straight away or down at their level and playing with them in a particular way and really engaging with them. And other people find that a bit more difficult and that they're a little bit more standoffish and find that more tricky. Other people will bring different things to it, won't they? You know, um, I used to work with uh, with somebody um, when I, I led an early years unit at one stage of my career. And and one of the people I worked with was passionate about baking. And I we used to, um, one of the things that she used to do, we used to, I used to ask her to bake every week with the children. And she absolutely loved it. And it, for her, it was it was such a high point of the week. She planned it out. She worked out what she was going to do and what the learning would be as part of it. So from, from her point of view, she was feeling, a, hopefully, an, um, a, a valued member of the team. And in terms of what she brought to it, you know, the, the quality of that was fantastic. So I think you're right. I think, I think getting to know the team and getting to know them as individuals and what they bring to it. Is, is absolutely key. Um, it struck me as well that, that what you're talking about there, you're talking about a lot of training and a lot of coaching went into to developing the practice. That that happens on different levels, doesn't it? That part of that is about training and coaching in terms of the staff and having a clear idea of this is what we're aiming for and we need consistency. And the other side to it is training and coaching in terms of the children and that actually these are the expectations. We, you know, we this is these are how we use the resources these are the possibilities of these resources does that make sense is that something that that fits with the development that we that you're talking about absolutely absolutely so when we begin in september again although we have got this very ambitious curriculum and high expectations for where we want our children to be at the end of the autumn term and by that i mean christmas we still give that well-deserved time to training and embedding those routines and expectations. And actually, we have thought really creatively about how we want to do that. So we know that our first project, our first inquiry question in reception is what is special. So that lends itself as a brilliant link well, what is special about our classroom? You know, we say to our children, well, look how unfortunate we are, because we are. We have spent a lot of, of money and a lot of time in on this lovely environment. Well, look how special our classroom is. Look how special our resources are. And also, you know, think about what is special about you. So if for us, it for us it really worked to have that question to bring things back to. So although in you know, in that first half term, our pace is a lot slower. We are; it's still got purpose behind it, and it still is a, an important aspect that is timetabled into our planning. You know, it, it's really important in our experience that we don't get carried away with you know just doing all the directed teaching from the beginning. That it's purposed and that it's and that it's sequenced and built upon what the children can and will achieve. And um, in terms of our planning, we have kept our planning really fluid for the environment. Our best practice has often become we have 
on a Thursday, we will have a handover and myself, my co-teacher and the teaching assistant will have a really rich dialogue about what we've seen in the areas and how we are going to extend that. So there's really twofold to the planning. We have the bit, we have the curriculum planning, which is quite formal. And then we have our fluid environment planning that builds up on what we've seen the children do and how we wish to extend this further. So for an example, we have a drawing area and we know that the children in the in our previous cohort really enjoyed drawing zoo animals. So we were able to progress this from the children drawing circular shapes that joined. And then we enriched this by adding different colours and different tools for the children to experiment with. So it's always just a case of having that, holding that in your mind and thinking, how can we take this further? Yes, no, that makes sense. And I, and I think what's interesting there is that that's a combination, isn't it, of of planning well for the well, for what's always going to be there, week week in week out. You know, so so what sorts of materials will always be in the construction area? What materials will always be in the the blocks and the small world and the writing and and so on? But then, as you say, week on week, having that dialogue, that rich dialogue of being able to say, well, actually, I've noticed the children doing this in this area. So how can I extend that? What am I going to add in? What am I going to show them, perhaps, maybe on the on the interactive whiteboard? What am I? Go- what resource am I going to add in that's going to challenge them that little bit more? Might be a book. It might be something that I'm going to show them and talk to them about. It might be a link or a connection with the outside world so that it links what they're doing with actually the world outside there, outside nursery or outside school. There are loads of conversations that happen. It's that kind of how do we take it that step further, which is interesting, isn't it? Because that also takes a lot of skill in terms of the adults, I think. You know, and I'm interested to, to, to hear what you were saying there, that, that you have that in-depth dialogue with, another, with other members of staff about, well, what have you noticed? What have we really seen the children doing? What's really engaging them? And how do we take that forward? Um, because that, to me, that is key when it comes to earlier practice. Because I think if we don't get that, then I think it's, it's, hev- it's too heavily led by the project work, the topic work. And if that happens, I think we lose something in a week by week way. Does that does that make sense? That sort of the individual spark or fascinations that children will have that don't always fit with a topic or project, but that for them right at this moment, this is the key thing they want to know about. These things happen all the time around us. And if we're only ever thinking about the project, then we miss out on a lot of that, I would say. So I think it's interesting. That it seems to me that you've got a very good balance going on between the two approaches there. Does that make sense? Yes, I think you've captured that per- perfectly. It, it is a balance because they are both equally as valid as each other. And anybody who has worked with young children will know you cannot afford to miss out on the fascinations those children bring into your setting. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So. It's, it's been a real 
development, a project development, if you like, you know, from from de- from thinking about well, what the curriculum will look like in terms of the the projects, in terms of the planning, but also looking at the environment itself and thinking about the role of the adults and having very clear ideas and very clear intentions. And that, of course, takes time to embed. And so, and interrupted by COVID as well, that's, you know, it, we are talking about years of work in the, in the process of developing your EYFS practice. So then take us then, let's fast forward a little bit to the inspection. When did the inspection happen? Just tell us, tell us, tell us that. So if you, if you can cast your mind back to, to May, when the weather was, you know, in the mid to the high 20s, and we just had the glorious May half term. We'd returned on the first day after the half term. And actually, at the time, we were in the staff room debating about the best concerts we'd seen. I think there was a discussion at the time going on between Robbie Williams and Pink. And then all of a sudden, knock, knock, knock at the door. One of our colleagues appeared very wide eyed. Please, can we all meet in the staff room at quarter past 12? So I don't think we ever did dis- finish the discussion of Robbie Williams versus Pink because well, we all knew immediately what that meant. All um, of the listeners are wondering who won that. Yeah, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, we could, I'll resume this conversation when we return in September and being taught. <laughs> um, so and at that point, so this was on a Tuesday and true to form, our phone lines had actually been down since nine o'clock that morning. So they had been trying to get in touch with us um, since nine o'clock and then managed to get through about half past 11 time. So we knew that this was, so this was in the June. So of course you get the initial phone call where you will find out which areas you will be deep dived in. Uh, this was a section five inspection. So it was fully graded. And I knew that we would receive an early years deep dive. And this was going to be conducted by um, an early years specialist. So this that took place on the second day of inspection. So on the first day, we'd had subject deep dives into other subjects, including early reading. So at that point, the lead HMI had been into the early years unit because she'd seen the teaching of phonics. And also another inspector had viewed the teaching of PE. So there had been some um, observations of early years practice. And then on the second day was when I was going to go into the early years deep dive officially. So if, if you aren't aware, then you have an initial interview and, and that took place for about 45 minutes and then that's followed up by a learning walk. I see. That makes sense. Yes. And so when you then have your interview, your own interview with the, with the inspector, um, is that just you by yourself or was that you and a colleague? How did that work? So... I would definitely say because we had some conversations around this before um, inspection and we were we were really hopeful of saying, well, actually, you know, if anybody wants anybody to accompany them, we'd been told that that is absolutely fine. However, when you are in the throes of things, we did find that three, because we had three inspectors, 
three deep dives can be happening at the same time. So for yeah. my interview, it was just my it was just myself and as the early years lead, I attended the interview. I see. Yeah. And and did did that feel okay? Did you feel confident? Presumably all of the work that you've done, you must have been going into this feeling reasonably confident that, that actually you've got such a lot of things in place. There's always more, isn't there? You know, an inspection never comes at exactly the moment that you want it to, where you think, well, if they'd only come a month later, I could have done this, this and this. But presumably with the story, you know, with the, with the, the, the development, the, the, the story of development that you've shared with us, you must have been fairly confident that actually you, there's such a lot you could talk about in terms of what you've done and what you've got in place and, and, the, and the, the progression, really. I have to say, with, the, with it being um, an earliest specialist inspector, the, you do, I did start to I thought, oh, my goodness, do I, do I know what I'm talking about? And then one of my beloved colleagues gave me quite a sharp, stern talking to her and she went, well, they might be an expert, but remember, Hayley, you are too. <laughs> so actually, it, actually it, it played really quite fla- favourably to have an early years expert because those conversations, you, you know, I wasn't, if, it wasn't like I was explaining new terminology or anything to anybody. So no, and I would definitely say I went into that. My interview was, I think it was at nine o'clock. But arrive, you know, arrive early. I think if you can demonstrate that you are confident and and almost looking forward to to showcasing everything mm-hmm. that you've worked hard as a team to achieve, then then definitely go forward with as much confidence as you can. As we all know, when you get that call from from the moment you get the call to the end of the inspection, you, your feet really touch the ground. But if you can, just take that moment to pause and something really powerful that I found when I was in that interview I did say to the inspector and she was really respectful and empathetic I just said if I pause it's not because I don't know the answer I'm just trying to think about how to articulate it and you know the power in the pause it's okay just to say I'm going to think about how how to reword that back to you or I'm going to think about how to answer this because I know as a, as a individual, I don't find paper-based things very helpful. I, I like to work on the on a computer. So I'd gotten all my tabs up ready, but just to have a moment to just say, I'll find that document to support my thinking was really powerful. Yes, no, absolutely. And I, and I think just going back to what you were saying before, I, th- I think um, most people would want, if not everybody, would want to have an, a, somebody who is an early year specialist uh, inspecting them within within the early years, I think it's only right, really, um, because you you know you shouldn't have to be explaining anything. You shouldn't have to be sort of trying to get them up to speed with where you where you're at. You, you know, really, the least you should expect really is that is that they do understand where you're coming from in terms of practice. So, no, absolutely, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think that is a positive thing that you have an early year specialist as part of the inspection team. Um, you talked. You just mentioned a little bit about documentation. You wanted to have certain documents to be able to show them and share with the team. I'm sure lots of people who are listening to this who've perhaps not had an inspection yet as part of this framework will be interested to know what sorts of things did you have ready to show the inspectors. So would you be able to talk us through that? 
Would that be okay? Of course. Um, So I would say before you even consider what documentation you want to bring, just be my, my top tip to anybody is just know your inspection framework inside out. On my management time, every week whilst we were in the window, I would be pulling up the inspection framework so I, I kind of knew exactly, even the, even the language, you, you definitely want to make sure that you are familiar with that kind of language because that will ultimately inform the kind of documents that you're going to pull up and what kind of wording you're going to include within those um, I had my, I did have the planning. However, with it, it was already available on our school website, and the inspectors had viewed that. So, I had the the planning, and we document our learning evidence on a tool called Seesaw. So, I had that up and available, ready to showcase. Um, I did have my early years action plan and self-evaluation but those were just things that I thought well if I need to pull them up then I can they, they weren't anything that were they weren't asked of me so again I think it's really important to have that conversation with yourself as the early years lead and ask yourself well what documentation is important to me and in particular I did find that from getting that phone call you know, documents need to often be pulled off really rapidly. So you might find that you get a shallow paddle into another subject and then that subject leader will need a document from you pretty quickly. So you don't want to be kind of scurrying around the night before looking for what you need. Definitely, if you're in the window, make sure, you know, your timetable is up to date or you're, and you've got a class list, just things like that that kind of alleviated that pressure from me across those couple of days because I knew I wasn't going to have to scramble around and gather anything because it was all there, good to go. Yeah, yeah. And and did you have um, did you have baseline information to hand? Was that something that that you that was on your list? So yeah, baseline information on entry information to nursery and reception. Is that something that was part of what you've got? Got ready? Because that's bound to come up, isn't it? That's going to be a starting point. Yes. So they they asked about that. We um, collate our data and track it on a tool called EaseMag. So that that's really accessible and I'm able to have have that to hand as as well. So that that was useful because I was asked about kind of where the children arrive at and where the children leave and progress to key stage one. So that was useful to have, yes. And presumably the, the inspectors will, will also have already spoken to your head teacher by that point. So um, either on an initial phone call or an, or an, uh, an interview as part of the, the first discussions that they will have had when they first came into the school. And I'm just interested to know, did you have that? Were you able, did you prepare for that together to a certain extent? So in order to make sure that what your head teacher was saying was going to fit very well with what you're saying. Is that something? That, because I always think that that's key, isn't it? But actually, you've got different people having interviews with the inspectors. You want consistency, don't you? And it always surprises me that not everybody thinks about that, that not everybody is clear, I think, in terms of 
actually what will the head say and then what will the early years lead say and then what will the early years staff say and is it all joined up? Does that make sense? And so did some work go into that? So again, I am fortunate enough to be a member of the SLT. So I have, my head and I have lots of dialogue and my head teacher was also an early years lead. So we, I was a part of the initial phone call with the head teacher and um, our deputy head teacher as well. So I was actually there for the initial phone call. So definitely it is so powerful for early years leads to be having conversations with the deputy head teacher and the head teacher. And again, that came out in the inspection. Um, the early years lead inspector did say to me, wow, this is so refreshing to see like a, a move away. We've taken a, a real move away from sticking work in books and that's not disrespectful towards anybody who was doing that. Um, and we were saying, well, actually, you know, we've got this fantastic trusting relationship in that we have these dialogue with our head teacher and our deputy head teacher. So, yes, it's, it's so important that the early years and the head teachers and deputy head teachers are in constant conversation. Yes. And and did you find that generally as, as part of your role and in the, your, your meeting with the inspector or inspectors, that actually that was about conversation and discussion as much as about sharing documentation? Or did you find that it was a balance of the two? My experience was it, it was predominantly discussion-based. And if you wish to share documentation to corroborate that, then that was help. Then that was helpful. Um, there was certainly the document for planning was um, they had viewed that already because, of course, it was on the website, which we know they do spend time looking at ahead of the inspection. And I think what what is really powerful is that all of these different areas of areas of practice, but also areas in terms of your school link together. So the you know what the head teacher will have said will link with what you said within the within the within your own meeting with the inspector. Um, what you're saying as part of that meeting links to what you're seeing in terms of the classroom practice and then and then in terms of what the inspector sees happening also links with that, whether that be about the adult role or whether that be the the way that something is organized, an environment is organized or whatever that might be, that it all links together. There are no surprises there which is the yeah. key, isn't it? You don't want any bits that stand out as being, well, hang on a minute, they didn't say that that's what they do. You want it all to fit together very neatly. I think, I think that's key, isn't it? So it sounds simple, but it's, that's, that's a takes a lot of working together and a lot of teamwork to get to that point, doesn't it? it do, and I said, to, I said to the lead HMI, you know, this stuff doesn't just happen because it does, it does simple. It might look simple. <laughs> But anybody who's been in nursery or reception will tell you it absolutely is not. It's consistency, what you do on a day-to-day basis that ultimately accumulates a, a good impact. Wow. And so um, in terms of the, the, the rest of the process, um, what, did they also want to know about your links with Key Stage 1 and, and that link between sort of particularly reception and and year one and you know that idea of you know how do you prepare children for key stage one was that something that came up in the conversation 
yes. So at the time of inspection in June, naturally, your transition processes are kind of underway anyway. So I was um, asked about that. And again, that's where my role lends itself quite well. Because as the early years lead, I, I do have a key part to play in the year one transition. So I was able to explain the processes that we undertake as a part of our transition. And they were also very interested to know about the transition from nursery to reception and how we ensure that that is a success. Yes. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so I never asked you, actually, previously, what, were your, what was your previous judgment in terms of Ofsted? What had you, where, where were you at previously? So in 2020, we received a good with, this was a Section 8, so it was just, it wasn't a fully graded inspection. So in 2020, we received as a school good with declining, and they told us that they were going to come back within the next 12 to 24 months. And then, of course, we had COVID. And so it took it was just over three years that we that we were waiting, which for anybody yeah. who will know where, when you are overdue is every phone call. You think, oh, my goodness, is this it? Yeah, no, and and that's that's hard to turn around, isn't it? That you kind of sometimes when a school gets into a little bit of a slump, that it feels that you know it feels much harder work to turn it around sometimes. But actually, you know, over the t over the period of time that you've talked about, it it sounds to me like there is a real a real air of positivity about what you're doing here, and that and that people have bought into it. You know that the team are really part of it, and that that your your whole team are valued as part of that, and that you're valued. And you've got that link with the head teacher, the, the deputy head teacher. You're valued because you're part of the senior leadership team. There's a there's a real feeling of value there. I think in terms of early years practice. Um, also, your you know your head teacher you mentioned earlier on was an had, had has had previous experience as an early years teacher. Yeah. All things that I think for me are are positives, real positives. Well, thank you is for that saying that. And in addition, that is so true. Those links with your head teacher, you know, one is too small of a number to make a difference. Ultimately, as an early years lead, this certainly has not just rested all upon me. You are absolutely correct. It's those relationships with your head teacher, with your deputy, and your team. And in addition to that. Um, a moment to express appreciation for everybody kind of in between from year one to year six, because you you may find as part of the early years community, I know people saying to me, well, when we do subject deep dive, should the year, you know, should the art leader be telling us what to do in early years when actually it's that complete, that complete, you know, awkwardness, isn't it? If we can think, if we can show what we are doing and the rest of school can understand the, the important, you know, it's called foundation for a reason, isn't it? If we can understand the foundation, those building blocks and the, how that sits and how each year can add value on value on value and value, that is just as important to getting that good grading. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's that um, I always think it's important that, that the earliest team is valued for, for a number of reasons, but also, be, for, you know, some of which we've talked about, but also because 
you, if the earliest team are valued, I think then they are much more likely to feel confident to share some of what they do. When an earliest team don't feel valued, it becomes a bit like a closed shop and they become a bit like an island as part of school. And, you know, the doors closed and they get on and they do their bits. And and then kind of the rest of school starts from year one onwards. Whereas when the earliest team feel valued and they feel confident, they feel confident to go to the art coordinator and say, let me show you what, what this journey in terms of creative development looks like in early years. Or to have the conversation with the maths, maths coordinator or maths lead and to say, let me tell you about children's really, really early understanding of mathematical concepts when they first come in in nursery, which is, and those conversations are so key, I think, aren't they? As part of that whole school approach to mathematics or to whatever other subject area it might be, because everybody needs to know that, that journey of development. And I think that's something that does come across well in terms of what you're saying. Thank you. And absolutely. And if, you know, that's where it goes back to, in my opinion, playing people to their strengths, because we are a, you know, we are a nursery and infants and juniors. And to have that breadth of subject knowledge, of course, you know, we know where children start and where we've got to get them to. But that's where it does come back to having people in their strengths zones and as curriculum experts. So, for example, our maths coordinator is a year six teacher. So I've been able to help her and talk through the, the new baseline and explain like the five principles of number to her. So then you get that that really rich expertise and and that ultimately just adds benefit to our community and the children within it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Hayley, this is absolutely fantastic to talk to you. Um, just before I let you go, because I am aware that actually time is so precious, isn't it? Um, but just before I let you go, Hayley, um, tell us about the um, the judgment. Tell us a, if you can. I'm, I'm assuming it's, it, it must be out, wasn't yes, it? Yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's out in the world. So tell us about the judgment itself. Go on. So our judgment, we were privileged enough to receive an outstanding um, early years judgment. See, that's brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, so, um, yeah, I'm really chuffed for you because, you know, the, you, the the journey that you've been on with your team and as a school, I think it's such a powerful journey and you've clearly put such a lot into that. Uh, and I'm sure that people who are listening at home or listening in school or listening with their teams, I'm sure will take a lot from this, uh, particularly if they're waiting for an inspection at this point. Uh, there are there's so many things there that I'm sure people will be making a note of and to, to say, well, actually, we, we must get that bit right. We must we must make sure that we link up or join up our thinking and make sure that we are we have that consistency and just key things to, to be ready for, I think, as part of that, that inspection process. So, so, yeah, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and for talking us through this, the, the, your journey of development. It really is inspirational. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. And thank you for having me. I've truly enjoyed it. And I wish anybody uh, on the journey with their early years leadership all the best.
So there you go. Thank you very much to Haley for joining us for this week's episode of the podcast. I found the conversation really interesting. It was great to talk to Haley, and congratulations to Haley and also to the team as well, uh, the wider school team for their for their fantastic inspection report. So well done to you. Um, now Haley mentioned on the uh, on as part of our conversation, Haley mentioned um, that she found it really useful in the lead up to the inspection to stay up to date with um, really all the key information from the Department for Education and also um, all of the Ofsted guidelines and information as well. And with that in mind, I thought it might be useful to let you know that we have a senior leader uh, termly briefing at Early Excellence. It's something that we run every term. And this term, my colleague, Phil, Phil Armstrong, is joined by uh, senior HMI for early curriculum, um, Phil Mins. Uh, and it's going to be quite an interesting conversation, I think, quite an interesting session. Uh, so it'd be great if you can join us. Now, we run the sessions as a live session, but you can also access the recording as well. So if you want to join us for the live session, it's on November the 21st, and you can find more details about that on the Early Excellence website. And then following on from the live session, the recording will be available as well. And it's highly recommended. So great for really keeping up to date with the Department for Education information, for Ofsted guidelines and information, and also key research as well. Okay, so um, yeah, we'll put the link in the information uh, for the podcast as well, um, or you can get it straight from the Early Excellence website. That's about it from me for this week, everybody. Thank you very much for joining us and uh, have a good week and we will see you next time. Take care. Bye bye. Mm-hmm.